mind. I don't know. I'm gonna, oof, oof. Not a good talker today. <laughs> oh, no. Let's record a podcast. <laughs> I think when it comes to new parents, there's just lots of stages of this kind of questioning, right? And especially for people kind of entering into this stage of their lives, there just feels like there's so much that you can't know. So it's it's just even interesting to think about this from different stages of family building, because you guys have been through parts of it and are looking kind of like at the horizon of different parts of it, which is, I'd be interested just to to know from my perspective where it's like, coming into that or just like starting to think about what that might look like that very much that classic what would being a parent look like and cost and how does this whole new element fit into the life that we have right now versus where you guys are you have a sense of okay this is how it's fit so far what can we expect to continue and what shifts and all that stuff or maybe that's just a silly thing that you think you can know and you can't maybe that's the whole sum up of parenthood I don't know I don't know. I think that that, I think that a, a healthy sense of not having anything under control is, has been developed in me um, over the years of parenting. So I think that that is right. I, I would say um, that, oh, I don't know what I would say. I actually, I want to say like, do we have a sense of where we are and what that means? I don't know that we do. <laughs> It looks like it from the outside. Is that how? Mission accomplished then. (laughs) That's all I really cared about. Isn't most of parenting just convincing other people that you're doing okay? That's what it, honestly, honestly, (laughs) half of your time is really spent. Like if you, if you let it, it could be spent. Oh, do people think that I'm a bad parent because my daughter wouldn't let me comb her hair and I thought it was just in the too hard pile for today? Am I being judged on my qualities as a person based on the state of that one's fingernails? Or like, oh, the snow pants and the and the coat don't match. That must mean that I am morally bankrupt. Like you could really let your I I don't know, John, do you maybe it's me as a woman because there's all sorts of other stuff that come up with parenting as a woman, but do would you feel some of that or do you see some there's of some of that and i see a lot of that with her mother that like she's really like oh can't let her do this because then people like see it as reflecting poorly on me and i'm like if she wants to go to school with you know whatever like she wants to have a plain pita for lunch and not even put cheese inside of it like that is her decision i have been offering to make her a more robust lunch but that's what she wants that's what I'm sending her with. That is not a reflection on our parenting. That is a reflection on our weird kids' weird tastes. Right. That is that has been a long struggle for me. And I think I, I thought, um, independent of children, I thought that I had a pretty um like high tolerance for like I don't care what other people think about me. Like I am who I am and whatever. As if. But anyways, but when like when we get notes home from every year, we get notes home from school. Like you're not sending enough food in your kids' lunch. We're like we're sending we're sending like more than they get for lunch at home. We're not underfeeding our children. They will just eat anything in sight. Like you can calm down. The feeling that there's always this tension for me, especially at school. They we have great teachers. I love our teachers. It's not that more for the most part this year. But that feeling of somebody else believes themselves to be an expert on my child, doesn't have all the context and is tell, like, you're telling me what to do? I, I don't know what that is. I'm sure it's, part, it's just personality and like hubris, but don't tell me that my kids are hungry. They're just eating. <laughs> don't send me notes. <laughs> that, that seemingly very real kind of feeling that's like, don't tell me about my kid kind of thing. <laughs> No, but like, look, that's, that's a thing. Um, and that's a thing that I would imagine, like, how does that intersect with this idea of financial planning and planning things out and like either being the outside expert or trying to provide some guidance around this thing. This is the hard, this is the, the giant hard question of figuring out rules of thumb mm-hmm. for parenting and, and building families is just how can you possibly have rules of thumb here? And And so when you're looking at planning out this aspect of your life, where do you even start? Because 
Oh, oh, a hand up. <laughs> on this uh, visual podcast. On audio podcast. See me with my hand up, everyone? We can do close cups. Sandy, put your hands up. Um, I have started to, so we get that question a lot, right? Uh, what will the, what will having kids do to this plan that we've constructed? And the, to me, and this sounds very touchy-feely and very on-brand for Sandy, but like the rule of thumb is, where do you start is, you need to understand that of course there are things that you can't control. You can't control if you have to send your kid to daycare, theoretically. Like there's stuff that are, are constraints on you. I'm not saying that you get to create things from scratch, but in some ways you are creating a family that you get to decide you get to decide what things are important to you and what things aren't and how you spend time together and what's important. Like it sounds not at all mapped to numbers, but it can be. You, you don't have to do birthday parties if you don't want to. You don't have to do Christmas and Easter and tooth fairies. I mean, you can, you can make something else brand new up. And I, you get to set the expectations for what you do at Halloween. And I, like, I mean, of course, I'm just picking celebrations now, but like you get to decide. Yeah. And so the fact that you, that you can enter into, well, what is parenting going to look like for me? How is this going to affect me financially? You get to start with, well, what, how do I want, what is the outcome that I want? Um, and then in some ways be guided by that rather than, well, kids always cost this because you always have to buy them new boots in the winter or you always have to I can't even think of what some of the always have to's are but you always have to throw them a great big birthday party you don't have to start with other people's assumptions of what family looks like you get to start with your own it, it's and true your assumptions look. will be wrong oh totally <laughs> wrong ago. anyway because yeah. before we had a kid we were like we're totally not going to be those parents that like completely over with our kids and like have all of these activities like every single day and then that's going to be a little bit more frugal because we won't have to pay for all these like entrance fees and whatnot and we're also just going to have more just unstructured family time and of course who is it the kid wants to sign up she wants dance she wants this other dance program she wants this art program she wants the singing lessons she wants to go curling with daddy she wants to and it's like okay we have six out of seven days with some sort of after school activity now like that is a that was totally driven by her that's what she wants to do and like we could in theory say no like in theory i'm a grown-up but <laughs> I mean, my kid wants to do this stuff and i'm like great this is all like wonderful and entertaining and educational and sure i'll show, show you around and sign you up and you know in, in the long run like whatever we'll pay another 120 dollars registration or whatever um also just chris you looking at this you know, starting with gentle rolling hills and turning into rocky, craggy, ice-covered precipice cliff faces of the mountain of parenting, <laughs> you will never be smarter than you are right now. That's people. not comforting because I don't feel super smart about it. Actually, no, that's because you're the kind, that's true, because you have a very particular personality type. <laughs> I was the smartest person before I had kids. Like, I knew oh, we're going to be like this. We're not going to be like that. Oh, 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 it was sickening. It was disgusting. Like everybody goes through that to some degree or another. Yeah, yeah. And John's exactly right. Like, well, before we had kids, we thought all these things. We had kids though. We had kids multiple. So it's easier to say no to all the things they want to do because we genuinely can't pay for them. <laughs> <laughs> it makes the choices really easy. Well, and also like the time scheduling because it's one thing when it's like okay yeah i have one kid so i'm just going to devote my life to like chauffeuring her around like, but you can't really do that with three because you run into conflicts almost immediately just like breathing just yeah. conflict breathing it's all the same <laughs> man i th that all feels very true that all feels very like that all resonates is super true it it also it doesn't feel <laughs> super helpful with like where do i put my next step <laughs> You know, but you know what I mean? It's because it just, I, and, and honestly, there's so many parallels with just planning in general, because what, what we're saying here is there are ways it's really important. One, create your own framework for success. What are you trying to do? Like, what are you trying to build in 
your business, your family, your life? Like, what are you trying to build? And like you said, there are natural barriers. It's not like you got to build it up from scratch, but you have more agency there. And then saying, okay, you can connect that to numbers. You can start creating a patchwork of, okay, this is how numbers might play in. If this, then this. And then, of course, the almighty third thing, your assumptions are wrong. <laughs> your assumptions are wrong and this will not happen. And so that there's the constant adjustment. So I, I get that. I, in theory, I'm comfortable with that process. Um, I guess, one, the stakes feel higher because there is another person that you're responsible for. Um, like, just so, when the assumptions are wrong about me and my adult partner, that feels like something that we've been through before. Okay, we, I know that we've rolled with some things. I know we have things in place to kind of to delay that risk. It just feels like the stakes are higher um, when you're looking at, at parenting. Um, I, I don't know. Like, and so it just, it, it's a harder pill for me to swallow. And, and even though I'm not saying, <laughs> obviously you guys are completely right, but it's a harder pill for me to swallow when it's just like, I just, I, I would like, I wish I want better. I want better. Put your step here and put your foot here next things even though I know that that's not what the action goal is going to be. If you have, like, I hate to take it back all the way to, well, do you know what's important for you to spend money on? Like, yeah. what are the non-negotiables for you? So that gives you some understanding of what's available to carve out, to create for children. I mean, daycare, if, if daycare or childcare of any kind is on the radar, I mean, you've got to find ways to pay for it, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, oh, there was a point, there was a point, it's gone now. It, okay, no. the assumption changed. Yeah, the assumption changed, but you, like, okay, here's the most helpful thing, my, two, my mother told me two very helpful things. One was, it hurts a lot, and then they hand you a baby. <laughs> that was really helpful. Helpful number two was, you know they start as babies, right? <laughs> and... And I remember that, I mean, it worked in a lot of different ways and I think it is applicable here. Yes, you want to be prepared for what they're gonna need when they're 13 or 40 or six, whatever that is. But you get to start with a baby and some people get to start with a really special baby. And right away, there's all sorts of extra stuff that they need that they couldn't have prepared for. Beyond the like, we'll bring them home and then they're fine and you take care of them. like. Some people are thrown into the fire right away. Um, if that isn't the life story that you have, then you do get to start with a baby <laughs> and they sleep a lot and you figure it out and it's its own kind of stress. I don't mean to say like, oh you get the easy part. It's its own kind of stress, but it builds in a, it feels, it felt to me this far <laughs> that it builds, you get used to one thing and then something else happens. You get used to that and then something else happens. But like, mm -hmm you're building up your achievement levels <laughs> for the next like boss level. <laughs> um, and you don't have, you can't, you cannot put it on yourself that you are not prepared unless you're prepared for all of it. You can prepare for the first part and the part you do know, there are parts that you know, you know yeah. that you're going to have to pay. If you, if you think you're going to have to, you know that you're going to have to pay for childcare. You know that there's going to be some kind of parental leave. Yeah. Like you, those are the things you can start with that. And then you can build on top of those pieces of knowledge after you get comfortable with them. I don't think you have to know the whole thing ahead of time. Well, it's that, that is, that is helpful. And a nice reminder. Cause it's, that's just true. Like you can only prepare for the period of time that's in front of you. And even though planning is often the exercise of stretching out that over a long period of time, generally for the purpose of figuring out, okay, so how do we frame the next period with this longer period in our heads? Like with an, with an imagined future, how do we do the next period? Like, what do we want to focus on? But in, in that kind of stretch, you know, why don't we talk about a little bit, um, since we, you know, just to avoid being a full feelings episode, uh, <laughs> talk a little bit about some of those specific tools that are available and, and start at that first period. Um, and, and talk about some of those, some of where, some of the financial tools that can start getting, getting plugged into these intentions, into these wants, into, into different things. Because I think often there are some 
standard tools and standard kind of applications that lots of people use that might just be a, a good thing to touch on. So the first thing you kind of talked a little bit about was, well, why don't we actually, because I know, you know, Sandy, specifically that you, when you've talked about this in the past to me, it, like the prepare, the preparation, there's, there's lots of kind of financial thought work that you can do kind of pre-baby. So there's mm -hmm. like a pre-baby period <laughs> where there's some, some good things kind of that you can think about. So let's start there. Like what's, what's the kind of year before um, starting to try to get pregnant slash uh, pregnant and kind of looking at, at that period? What are some of the financial things to flag? Cash flow, parental leave, daycare. Okay. <laughs> so that sounds so pat and easy, but like, so, and per, by parental leave, obviously some people don't, it's not like only no. through employers or only through EI, but find, like, is there anything available to you? If not, what can you make available to yourself? Which is where well, cash flow comes in. And what do you want? I think that the, it serves to start with that question because obviously, yes, there's some realities of what, what you can get and what you can't. But, you know, working with a general self-employed and being self-employed in my own family, the first question that we've been thinking about is just what, what does that look like? Like what amount of Matt, Pat, Lee would we want to have available? Because you don't know too, like especially when, you know, you don't know what's going to happen and, and like how you're going to feel after and what a recovery process. And obviously this is more about the person actually having to have a baby than it is a person, you know, <laughs> who, <laughs> who doesn't. But, you know, there's, there's, there's that process of just being like, how much car time would we love to carve out? Yeah. And then the question really does become, you know, do you know what that costs for you? So for people with a salary, it's a little bit easier, a little easier math as far as to say, what, is, what do I get in my check? <laughs> How can I recreate this or 60% of this check or after taxes and all those things. But for those of us that aren't as clear on that, the more you can know about what do you need, what is a month, you know, so that you can start to solve for a specific problem, not I have $4,000 in an account. How, uh, maybe that'll help. It will, but knowing how long it'll help is usually a helpful thing to know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's yes. my answer. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there's some things that you can, you know, for long-term thinking, like we talked about RESPs, uh, it's great to try to figure out a plan for what you're going to do with your RESP before you have a baby depriving you of sleep. Now, you can't actually open the RESP until the baby is born and alive and has a social insurance number, but you can do all the rest of the planning. You can decide where you're going to go. Like, are you going to go to like a robo-advisor, like Just Wealth or whatever? Are you going to go to a brokerage like Questrade or whatever? Are you going to go to something like TDE series, a sort of middle ground? Are you going to do it yourself? Are you going to go and get an advisor? Um, and how much are you going to be putting in? Are you going to try to like max it out right away? Are you going to wait a couple of years and catch up? Um, and if you have that plan, like what you're going to do all sort of sorted out, then it makes it a lot easier to just then actually go and implement it a couple months in, if yeah. that's something that you want to do. And again, you can wait a few years. You don't want to wait forever, but you can wait a few years and catch up. So you don't have to feel that pressure that like, okay, baby's born like month one, I got to go open an RESP when you have so many other things on your plate. Yeah. I would though say, so one of the gifts that I gave to myself was getting all the figuring out, figuring out what I needed to register for and not register for. So mm. like the, okay, register the birth. I have to register them. It, it, um, there's kind of a, there used to be, this is now like uh, eight years ago. Um, oh, however old Lucy is, I don't know. Um, uh the in the province of ontario like you you register them for their health card and there there's a group of things that you do all at once so i had kind of all that listed out i had it bookmarked on my computer so that i knew at some point you're not you're not catatonic usually in the first two weeks like it's not you shouldn't probably expect that you won't be able to do anything um and if you happen to be this might be one of the lowest income periods of your life depending yeah. Um, and if you have an RESP open and you qualify for something like the Canada Learning Bond, which is an income yeah. tested thing, it, it makes sense to have that RESP open, even if you're not putting any money into it. Totally. Um, so it is a thing. It is one of those things that like, while I was like nesting, for me, nesting is like balancing my bank book or whatever. 
that was one of the things for me nesting was getting all the stuff ready so that I could come home click on that link do this you know do these other things and then I didn't have to worry about a year later finding the documentation or anything it was ready yeah. for me yeah, same here it's worth just interjecting just because the learning bond for an RESP is not something that we talk about very often we rant a lot but the learning bond is it just doesn't get as much face time. So the idea is that if you have, I think a net family income, it's around $47,000. Um, if you're below that for a net family income and you have an RESP that's open, the government will just put some money in there. Um, oh. For the first year, it's $500, I believe. Somebody can correct me on that. Um, and then afterwards, it can be up to $100 a year or it can be $100 a year up to a max of 2000 yeah. Now and comes it, the time it's that somebody slightly more complicated than the government just puts money in. So they do <laughs> just enough. give you the money, right? Like you don't yeah. have to match it yourself with money yourself, but you have to apply for it. Okay. And you have to go to a particular institution that will help you apply for it okay. because um, there's lots of places that will open an RESP for you and be able to get that CESG, that matching grant, but yeah. to get the learning bond, not necessarily all of them are going to do the paperwork for you. Oh, that's a really good thing to know. So that, that might be a good thing to think about in this pre-time. It's like exactly what you're saying, John, about like, if you think you're going to be in that zone, the first year can be $500. And so that's a, a year that, that, um, that would be a, a you know, a, a significant, might be worth the extra time that it takes to find the right fit. Is that, have you found like, is it a lot fewer institutions? Does that really limit your choices or it, are there, are there quite a few options there? Uh, I mean, there's still quite a few options, but, um, you know, it's been quite a while since I looked into it and I might have to go back and edit this section later. But, you know, from memory, it was basically like the ones that you might consider quote unquote better as like lower cost wouldn't necessarily apply for the um, candidate learning bond for you. So like the brokerages. Um, so like if I was thinking of going for a TDE series, as one example, if I went through the brokerage arm, I don't believe that they would do the candidate learning bond. They'd only do the CESG. I had to go through the mutual funds branch or even a GIC part of it um, to get okay. the learning bond. Is that, the, sorry, go ahead. The government of Canada website has um, the, the provider information for who offers. Great. Okay. Learning bond. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Canada.ca. You want to go to the employment. It used to be human resources and development, but now it's employment yeah. uh, and social development. And you can find yeah. the RSP information there and who, are, who those providers are that offer that. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's another good thing to think about. It's another way to, uh, if you're, especially if you're personal finance minded and you're like, like this idea of trying to find the things you can control and find the extra little <laughs> bits of money here and there, then uh, that could be a, a very gratifying use of your time as you're prepping. <laughs> if you're not, it sounds like maybe the seventh circle of hell, but. But no, but like if, if you do the kind of pre-work ahead of time, again, maybe this is just, again, yeah, seventh circle of hell, but there is precious little that you control in those first yes. six months. So the idea that like, okay, I have no idea why that baby's waking up right now. I don't know what it wants. I fed it. It's clean. I don't know. I don't know what's happening right now. At least you can be like, okay, but. <laughs> Five I did do that. <laughs> 18 years from now, this kid is going to university. I only got 18 more years of this to deal with. You can just set future value calculations over and over to think about how much that $500 will be in 18 years. I mean, like, yeah. I did this, but I did this. Right. One other thing I was going to throw in there, too, just because you are in a low-income time of your life, and depending on that extra pressure to start putting away in your RESP right away can seem like, can I do that? Can I not do that? Something that can be really valuable for lots of variable income earners for a saving strategy in, in, in general. And this might work as well. Just have a reservoir. So kind of like have a bit of a, like a, a middle tank between your spending money and your RESP. That's like RESP savings, but it's a savings account and make the automatic trans transactions to, or, or uh, automatic transactions to there first, and then just see if you're okay. Yeah. And then maybe at the end of the year transfer it over. Yes. I know that that doesn't get all the earnings right away, but like, Take care of you first. So if you want to, like, if you want to do it, but you're not sure if you can do it, that saving reservoir strategy can be really helpful to both give you the gratification of working on this, but also not the stress of, oh shit, I put it into the RESP now. 
I have to get it back or now it's going to become credit card debt or something that's just way more stressful. Mm -hmm. So as you're learning, there's so many things that you're learning. Whenever we kind of enter into a new phase of life, this is as useful as when you're taking on like buy a house and all the costs that come with that or moving to a new place. It's just like, until you know, you know, just give yourself a little bit of a break there, but still keep up the habit. So that can be really helpful. I would also like to say that like many things, there will be an immediate feeling of everybody else has their shit together and I do not. So let me be the first to tell you that I have three children and I have not even maxed out the available grant money for them. And it's unlikely right now that that will happen in the short term or the medium term. And I'm okay. I would love to, I would love to be able to say, kids, go study whatever you want. I've saved up $50,000 each for your RESP. I haven't. That's not a failure of mine. I'm not counting. I've got lots of failures, but that's not one of them. No, I, that's, that's an excellent, it, it feels a lot like, especially with these specific financial check marks, like put $2,500 in your RESP every time to maximize grant money. Of course you would do this and be like, it's interesting to talk to some people and, and have them just not consider that a value of theirs. It's just not something, whether or not they, it's just not something that they feel they need to provide for their kids for lots of different reasons. Or, you know, just because it's free money, it's a good reason. It's a really good tool to be aware of 100%. It's not one that you have to necessarily work into your success framework. It's also one that having some money there will be helpful. Max is not the only option. I like that a lot. That's helpful. That's a, a nice thing to think about. And it's, it's worth kind of mentioning too that, um, I know we talked about this in our RESP episode, but there's just, for people that do have lower net family incomes again, there's an extra little bit of grant available. Like mm -hmm. there's an extra incentive if you feel like you can just save a little bit. It, it's worth even more if you're not making a lot. Like you can get that those extra boosts for those for that first that first amount that you're putting in. So, it if you feel like you can't afford a lot and it's, it's not even worth it to put anything in, it, it is. It really, really is. And and the government tries to encourage that. And I would say while we're on that topic, one thing that was a surprise to me that I didn't find out until my second. Yeah, until Oscar was born and we were enrolling him in daycare because I, I worked full time after, like I took a year of maternity leave with Nora, took a year of maternity leave with Oscar. Um, Lucy was my money baby and I got to stay home after that. Anyways, uh, <clears throat> um, I did not know that there were district level. So I live in a small town, right? So we have a, the district of Muskoka. So there, were, there was um, income tested help with uh, childcare costs. Mm. And I don't, I, I, and of course, I don't think that that necessarily maps to every single municipality in every city, but it was hard to find. Nobody told me about it. It wasn't in this like, so you're a new parent in Muskoka. Here's all the things you need to know. That's nobody, it's fine. It's nobody's fault, whatever. But it's something like looking at what your particular administrative unit, <laughs> geographically administrative unit has yeah. available. If you are, if you are like, well, I could get some extra money in my RESP. You should also look um, at the, at those programs because they're not, they're not easy to find. What did that kind of equate for you? Do you mind me asking? Just kind of like, I don't mind you asking. I don't remember at all. <laughs> yeah, it was, no but, but listen though. Uh, so I was at the bank. I was earning $50,000, I think was my salary back then. And Seth was self-employed and not self-employed, like, until we left the money in the corp, like self-employed, I wonder if we're going to get paid next month. Um, and, and he, I'm sure that like a net on paper, it was like 24,000 or something like that. So between yeah. us, our adjusted family income was probably 65, maybe give or take. So we weren't like, we were okay, but this was the difference between going back to work and like netting negative two dollars per mm -hmm. month after paying for child care and going to work and being able to actually you know feed ourselves no it wasn't sorry excuse me that's an overstatement but it was a huge difference for us and it wasn't like there are some low-income programs like healthy smiles ontario where you basically can't have any money at all in order okay. to qualify for that program and so it's great for the people that get to use it it's not for anybody that's that's got enough 
but still very stretched tight. It's not, that kind of program isn't applicable. This is the kind of program where you may feel like, oh, I probably don't qualify for that. I'm sure we make more than the cutoff for that. And the cutoff is actually much more generous than you may expect. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's a, re a really good thing to kind of note. And I think a, a good kind of thing to talk about next a little bit, this idea of childcare, because childcare is another thing that you flagged to think about. So how do you frame that? To sign up for before you get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> just to think about what the cost might be because like man do you hear that's one of the the buzzwords these days and in, in general financial conversation right just the extremely high cost of childcare. i think generally looking at the bigger cities but possibly filtering down to every community and and okay every community that's yet again on the Denny is pointing at her head in an audio podcast that um <laughs> fails to recognize that gesture um so how do you how do you start figuring out one, like what are things actually costing? So the difference between, I read in the paper that it costs $2,000 a month in Toronto for childcare, but, but how would I start to get an actual sense of what I need um, and where I fit on that cost spectrum? Is it just like a, no, it's blanket $2,000, just 2,000, <laughs> just pay somebody 2,000 and then you're good. Is it just a matter of talking to people? Is there a, another way you can get that information? How do you frame that for clients and the people they talk to or kind of in your own experience? How's that been? Uh, the cost is very similar where we are because there is a huge lack of people willing to do it and there's real pressure on the cost. And, and we all, I mean, all parents would say like, well, of course they're taking care of my children. It's a really important thing, but also, holy crap, look at that bill. And there's, that's, there's tension there. But how I found, uh, like, the daycare providers in my area are the ones that I can see in my town. I don't need to go to a list, right? Yeah. So yeah. my, I have no help there. It's just, oh, I, I can take them there. They have, a, it's essentially, they have, a, um, sorry, <laughs> my computer just told me weird things. They, they have an opening, like there's, you can actually send your kid there. That's how I chose it. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. And so around us um, in, in the city of Toronto, there's a number of um, spots that are semi-subsidized by the city. Uh, a lot of them are based in local schools. So then we go around and start signing up and getting on wait lists. And then they'll also tell you the prices for uh, those spots. Um, and then it also depends on like how much daycare you need because um, um, I went to back to work or started work essentially full-time because, you know, I had her right after leaving a postdoctoral fellowship, which isn't like real work. <laughs> so like I went to, I went to full-time work, um, but, uh, her mother didn't. So Wayfair, uh, eased back into work, um, doing part-time work and then doing a little bit more and whatnot. Um, so when we went to look for daycare, we were looking for ideally three, two or three days a week. And so we found a spot that where we could get like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday uh, mm. spot. And so it was prorated to that same like virtually $2,000 a week um, cost. That seems to be pretty typical in Toronto, but we only paid for the three days that we were actually using. Um, one thing that might be a little bit surprising is that you pay for days that you don't use. Yeah. Um, so even if it was like a holiday Monday, we still had to pay for that Monday sometimes. Oh, brutal. Yeah. Uh, because it was just like, I prorated like three fifths of a week and you're like, but this isn't a full week. And yeah. Um, yeah. And if your kid's not there, it's one of your days. Like you, it's a spot that you own. It's like real, it's yeah. like daycare real estate. They're not, they don't, they can't give it to somebody else on the short yeah. term. So you so are. It's really not a, not a drop-in system or at least not, not, in your experience, it hasn't been because I, I have friends in Quebec that seem to talk about <laughs> that. I know it's different. I, I know it's different. It's like every so many people in my circle are like, oh, maybe I'll just move to Quebec and that's where I'll start a family. But they seem well, to have which is part of what they want, right? Like that's a great get people to move to your province. And then once you have your kids in that province, you're not moving again. So <laughs> no, but it's like really like so many of them talked about there being like a $20 drop in. Um, and that creates so much more freedom and flexibility, but that's, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't realize, yeah, it's more like renting a parking spot or, um, you know, <laughs> it's the actual real estate in the daycare center versus, <laughs> you know, when my kid is there. Yeah. 
And so as, as expensive as that sounded for the um, sort of Toronto spots, there were even more expensive ones out there that like we didn't even try to get on the waiting list for. And also there's like a limit to how far you want to drive every morning and every afternoon to pick your kid up from daycare. Like the one that we got was close enough that in nice weather we could walk there, but you know, the kid's tired after a day of daycare and, and isn't necessarily super cooperative for the walk home. So a lot of times we ended up just driving and, um so as much as again like plans beforehand we're like we're gonna walk everywhere and we do walk to school almost every day now rain or shine no matter the weather and, and don't want you know more cars and parking lots and greenhouse gases and all the things that come with driving but when she's in daycare we drove a lot yeah. that's completely understandable Those that, that, that all sounds very true and, and that actually that window of time i remember being like just bananas like rocketing home to get to get to daycare in time to pick up because it's not like oh can you just keep her till 6 30 like no we can't um so rocketing home and missing her especially like nora your first baby and it was just like oh my goodness so like rocketing home to get her coming home she's dirty and stinky from being at day crawl it's just a school thing like just groups of like just gross the kids are nasty so you bring them home and then you want like bath and feeding and then it's bedtime so that's it you bring her home you wash her you feed her you you know give her a hug and then you put her to bed and that's it for five days a week that's what you get Ooh. <laughs> everything about your face says that is not enough <laughs> i was not into that scene so one of the one of the questions that kind of comes up a lot around this kind of thing is like, is it worth it for me to go back to work? Right. That's a question. Like that's a classic financial question. And one that is clearly not just about the numbers, right? There's, it's not just about, Oh, it's a net positive. So therefore you should go back to work. But um, I'd love if you guys could just speak to that a little bit specifically because there's a bit of a tax element that comes to play, right? There's this idea that, you know, there are, um, there are deductions available for things like childcare, but only for the lower earning spouse, right? They aren't just floating around available for um, every family. They're available for families that are both earning in a way. And, and so when, when you're thinking about that, is that something that you factor in? Because that doesn't necessarily become cash on the ground either. So like your net cash flow <laughs> can still be really stressed, even if you're getting a bit of a tax boost down the road. I guess it depends on how you make that money too. But I don't know. I, that, that's just, it, it's, it's, a, it's a question lots of people have. So how do you, that's the wrong way to think about that problem. I have many thoughts, but I could talk for a long time about it. John, shall I open the window for you to talk first? <laughs> so... The entire way that we structure our society is completely backwards and wrong. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, sorry. I thought, I thought Sandy was going to talk second. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Sandy was talking through John's mouth. Perfect. Love it. <laughs> Burn it down. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's ridiculous that, um, you know, when we're young, we don't have the resources to, like, not work for super long periods of time and then when we're retired and our kids are out of the house and they don't need us anymore that's when we've got all this time and money to retire and not do stuff and um, you know it'd be wonderful to be able to take a couple of years off in the middle of your lifetime to help raise young children yourself and and it seems so wrong like it's what we all do anyway but it seems so wrong to have your kids and then pay so much money for someone else to raise them and then you're only there like two out of five days of the week right like it's it's it, it brings tears to our eyes like it was very it was very stressful it was very frustrating to be away from our little kid that's like so much during those years um and there was you know it, it would be crazy to take off huge chunks of time like how could you restart your career after taking let's say four years off you know how, like that would be a really tough transition back into the workforce it would be really tough to get a job um to, you know to rebuild your cl uh, client list if you're self-employed um after taking that much time off and, and that would be a huge financial hit i mean even if you could do it that would be that would be a big one um 
so yeah, that, that's very hard. Um, I know a number of people that have grandparents around and that's part of what keeps people stuck in Toronto is that that's where the grandparents are. Um, and so they get a lot of um, parental support for raising kids. We definitely did from at least one side of the family um, where like grandpa and grandpa are there you know, when we had daycare three days a week, it was grandma and grandpa the two other days almost every week, right? Um, as much as we were working part-time um, where we could, like they, they were there a lot of the time to take care of her. So we were like, well, it feels a lot better to have grandma and grandpa take care of her than to have daycare take care of her um, where we could. But not everyone has the parents who have the health or the nearby location convenience or the willingness or the temperament in the case of like my parents uh, to take care <laughs> of a child for extended periods of time regularly and that's a big sacrifice on their part um so i don't know like if like society is going to start changing where we're going to like have people taking more time off in the middle of their careers and where if you can get like a student loan, you could get like a parental loan and just like start building up this massive amount of debt through your twenties and thirties and then start paying it off aggressively later. Um, or if we'll get to the point where like um, it, as daycare becomes more and more expensive, it becomes like, well, if you don't have grandparents to take care of the kids, then it becomes a lot harder to have kids and yeah. become much more common for grandparents to take care of the kids. And I know like, at school pickups there's um you know when i go pick her up from school there's more and more dads that i'm seeing there like that's one sort of even just over the last four or five years more transitions to, to that but also a lot of grandparents interesting um i've sort of lost the track of what i was trying to say there uh no, what's the original uh, question it is sandy talking through john's mouth <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just the full. No, no, it's. I think that's. Um, <laughs> that's the, that's the cost very... and about whether it's worth it to go. Yeah, so so um, there's the financial cost, right? So it costs money to have daycare, um, but beyond the straight financial cost of daycare, there's also like the career impact. So, yeah. uh, you know, if you're giving like, a certain number of raises, like if you're in a unionized position, you have pay grades. If you take a extended time off to stay with your kids as as, much, as wonderful as that might be the cost is even more than just the cost of daycare the cost of those foregone earnings because then you're also like one or two notches down on that career ladder for the essentially rest of your life so that compounds pretty quickly and even over a short period of time honestly even the idea of taking a six-month paternity leave you you also just there's a trail on both ends of that right there's a winding down trail before where you're like okay how's everybody taken care of and then there's a ramping up trail at the end so it's not that six months if you want six months pure off not thinking about work just focusing and being there with your family like that can become a year of financial impact really quickly so that can only that only feels like it grows exponentially once you're out of the workforce not being thought of not kind of present in that way like and and then there's just the fact that all the studies that say it's really different for men and women the fact that that impact for men kind of returning to careers isn't as significant as women who sometimes never regain the level of pay that they gain kind of after taking some time off for family which is really that that's an element that that exists sandy is exploding <laughs> no it's the phrase time off for family and it's uh, not you it's just um, no, but no. Like, no. <laughs> I, I remember this being clearly the impetus for me. People, why did you start spring? Well, because I didn't want to live my life in the few hours I had before work and the few hours I had after and on weekends. That's not my real life. It's, and, and the whole structure of going to full-time employment, and I recognize people, some people just love it. Like that's not, their career is awesome. They love the daycare that they've got their kids in. That, that's, mm -hmm. that whole arrangement is perfect for them and I'm so happy for them. That sounds like hell to me. And there is no amount of money that you, and I know this now because we don't have loads of money. It is constantly stressful. But I wouldn't trade the ability to be here at any time, even though there's lots of work to do, 
and to have Seth here, we are making big sacrifices to live this particular kind of life. And my real life is not my work, even though how could you possibly tell the difference? Cause I'm doing it all the time. But so, and that's, and that I understand is a mark of great privilege and it's a mark of that's just happens to be the values that we have. Yeah. But time off of work for family is a real symptom to me of a society that needs to be burnt to the ground (laughs) (laughs) that we don't that is so messed up that we don't recognize that of course we have more in our lives than what happens between nine and five and of course we need to be able to respond to the things that are important whenever whatever they are whenever they happen and that and that a constant refrain and so john and and I don't mean this that like I burn with anger when John was talking about it, but whenever I hear like the smart personal finance tweet or article about, well, you're not just giving up your wages. It's not just that. Think about more than that. I also want to say, well, let's think you're not just taking, you're not just giving yourself time with your family. Let's think about that. There's more to that as well. And that the idea that the only real marker of success for having kind of prudently raised children is that you could go back to your career and keep climbing the ziggurat to me is messed up, just messed up. (laughs) I mean, if I can just rephrase that a little bit. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, no. So, so, I mean, I do say things like, you know, there's the cost to it. There's a financial cost. So you're giving up wages and you're also giving up potential future wages um, to take time off with your family. But in a lot of cases, it's cheap at twice the price. (laughs) Yes, that's right. That's right. Like, I mean, that, that's, that's been like my, the way I sum up having a kid, like they are expensive. They, they have come like before being a parent to being a parent, like so many things I've had to not have the time for as much or had to really like become a much better project manager of my own time to be able to do some of the things that I want to do and to, you know, spend that cognitive load on scheduling and calendaring and coordinating and like, I would not trade it for anything. Like I, I would absolutely have kids again. Um, it is, you know, it, yeah, it's costly in a lot of ways and it's still wonderful. Like, yeah. I don't know, I'm going to get all teary here, but I really like being a daddy. <laughs> I really like my daughter. <laughs> But we haven't had one for a while, so it's good. Yeah. Oh, cheap at twice the cost. It's. I, I think that that's. It's just. This is just a. It's a place where. Where the, where the math really falls short. It's just it, there's something on the other side of the equation that's really difficult to. Like this is the the parent divide between having kids and not. You, I, I think there are things that you just can't understand. This is what's been <laughs> expressed, at least from the other side of that curtain over and over again. It's just like, you just, I remember one of my friends came out, it's like with his two month year old son, he was like, I know what it would feel to fight a bear now. Like I would fight a bear. Like I just looked at him and I was like, oh, oh, I would actually do it. I would just fight it. Like I would die, but I would clearly fight it. And and just these things where there's just there's just a major balancing point um, that just it's I don't know I haven't found the formula in Excel for that. Um, it's probably in pivot tables. I'm sure we'll we'll get there. <laughs> Yikes! I clicked on that one time and I was like, I am out, <laughs> I am fully out. Too hard pile. <laughs> Numbers does not have that. Mac is like, don't don't worry about it. Look at all the colors we can do this in. And you're like, oh yeah. No, it's true. That's a nice color. Um, yeah, it, it it's honestly like I can only speak for myself, but it somehow, and this is how I like to think, anyways. But somehow, when things get grayer and less quantified, they just feel more true and more possible. Even though I have way less direction, and hearing people's experiences and stories even though i know that they won't be mine is helpful more helpful than just hearing you know this is the list of things this is the things this is kind of the cost this is the 2000 here this you know it's just um 
uh, I'll, yeah. I'll possibly end up like, I'll stop talking on this story, but I remember my, I had some family members who um, got pregnant really young and with twins and kind of, I would say unexpectedly twins kind of came in and lots of us in the family are just like, Oh no, like how, <laughs> like, this is great. But also like, Oh, <laughs> that's two, that's two of them. And how is this going to happen? And then when we got a chance, I remember meeting them um, uh, at Christmas that year and just being like, Oh, we're just going to do everything it takes to do it. Like it just become like, even from a tangential perspective it was one of those things where you're like oh they're just gonna do everything that they need to because these beautiful <laughs> girls like I, I don't know it's just something's gonna happen I don't know what that's gonna be but it's gonna be something um and they have oh man the girls are amazing and then they had another one and I, I just I don't think that they have any money ever but they have three amazing kids um and and that's a thing and there's so many families like that in Canada and everywhere that are just like, that make it happen somehow with like, like you were saying, Sandy, with lots of stress, <laughs> you know, not just stress free, um, sometimes with planning, sometimes with a giant too hard pile, but um, that's, that's, that's helpful for me. That's all we can yeah, ask, I mean, Chris. Being, being prepared, I think can help. Totally, hundred percent. Yeah, and and there's a lot of a lot of people out there where we're gonna describe this. It's like we're going into the woods and we're gonna need a backpack. They're like, yeah, I know, I'm gonna need like this heavy backpack. It'll be tough. You're like, no, no, the backpack's gonna be ten times heavier than it was. It's gonna be more expensive. We're gonna put more stuff in there, and they're still like, okay, but this is I'm I'm totally committed to this trip into the woods. It's gonna be fantastic. And there's other people that are gonna like be like, well, I, I didn't actually want that that much. Yeah. And I mean, if you're not wanting kids, that's okay too. Yes. <laughs> so people who aren't really wanting kids, just don't have them. Just don't. Um, but if you do, it's going to be different and hard. And if you're prepared, it, then you'll manage it better. But I mean, all of this stuff is the stuff that you can quantify and the stuff that you can't is just outweighs it so much even though you can't put it on a scale thanks for listening uh, i'm john robertson i'm the author of the value of simple and also the creator of the practical index investing for canadians course so if you want to learn how to become a do-it-yourself investor that's the sort of thing i help with I'm Chris Enns. I'm a advice-only financial planner at ragstoreasonable.com. If you like pictures about money and metaphors that sometimes apply to finances and sometimes are just way out, you can check out my stuff at www.ragstoreasonable.com. And I'm Sandy Martin. I'm an advice-only financial planner at springplans.ca. And I tend to work with older single ladies and people who are retiring. That's really, that's really my thing. And you can find me on Twitter a lot. <laughs>